They sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. From thence they sailed to Cyprus. Underline or circle the word Cyprus. We are on the, we're so winning on Cyprus tonight. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they also had John to their minister. And when they'd gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. And he said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, notice the word, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Tonight we are looking at another incident where someone was used of God to lead an individual to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And though I believe he won other souls to Christ before this event, we see the actual first recorded time when Paul, and actually on the very first missionary journey, missionary tour, led an individual to Christ, or even given his name. His name is called Sergius Paulus. He was a government official, a high-ranking official in the government of Rome. And the Bible tells explicitly this man believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. And it's, it's the starting point of the missions movement. And just when you think things, you wonder where things are going to go. And we don't have any record leading up to this that they had much fruit on the island of Cyprus and Till then, but the title of the message tonight, many titles I could give it, we can call it So Winning on Cyprus, but I want you to just focus tonight on the thought, we've only just begun. And tonight I want to tell you, even though we're 19 years of age, church, we've only just begun. Things are going to get better. Things are going to continue to get better because God is working through His people. And God wants to work through you and through me tonight. And we're just praying this evening, though it's right in the middle of summer, that God would just light a fire in our hearts about the matter of fruit that remains. Heavenly Father, sanctify Thy people through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Tonight we pray for Hebrews 4.12, where the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows, and would be discerner of thoughts and tents of the heart. Father, we pray to be like Samuel, who let none of the word of God fall to the ground. We pray tonight that, Lord, that word, though we know that the flower fadeth and the grass withered, but we know that the word of the Lord endureth forever. Tonight, put some seed in our heart that will endure forever. God, give us some unforgettable thoughts and help us tonight to see what was going on here on the island of Cyprus and specifically on the city of Paphos. And God, I pray this evening that, Lord, you would just motivate us and inspire us and put a fire in our soul for reaching souls and winning souls to Christ. 
Lord, we love you and we love you very much. God, forgive us for times we don't tell you enough about that. And forgive us tonight, Lord, for being sometimes very shallow in our application. Lord, forgive us perhaps for sins that are, that, that are weighing us down and weights that are holding us down. And tonight we pray to be set free from those things. And this evening, may the liberty of the Holy Spirit be present because the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We pray for great liberty tonight as we minister to a people that you love. Thank you for the members of Heritage Baptist Church. Thank you, Lord, for wonderful people and serving people and people that love you. And tonight, would you work past our weaknesses? And Lord, may your, your strength be made perfect in our weakness. Well, thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Quickly tonight, we continue our series on fruit that remains. And our key thought has been coming from John 15, 16, where Jesus told his disciples, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bear fruit and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And the key thought tonight is we want to be looking at fruit that remains. Now, quickly, I want to tell you a little bit about the so many process and just give you a review. And you have your, 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 your outline tonight. Maybe you might want to jot some things down tonight because I want to give you some things but order of progress this evening. I took some time the other night to take about 10 or 12 of our people to give them instruction on soul winning and quite a few of them took about four or five pages of notes on different things and we're going to help them get to get to kind of just put this into practice. But I want to tell you some things tonight real quickly and to get into our message. First of all, there's the priority of soul winning. Now we have to remind ourselves that soul winning is, is, is the heartbeat of God and there's a priority of soul winning. We're to be obedient to the Great Commission. I'm thankful today for one of our families inviting some friends to be at church today and sometimes I can't see from the platform and when people get hands up sometimes the hands just go like this and I can't really tell from where I'm standing there but I thank the Lord that one of our altar workers saw a young lady that was first time in our church raise her hand and I didn't even know they were talking to her but as we were shaking hands and greeting people on the way out they brought her forth and she said pastor I just accepted Jesus Christ as my savior and that's an exciting thing we had a man named Tim that sat over here in the, in the front over here last Sunday he trusted Christ is his Savior. And another man that said over on this side, trusted Christ is his Savior. There's the priority in soul winning. We must be after souls. Uh, Garwin, I don't know if you knew this, but the couple you and Flora brought out came back out. And, uh, I, and I, I greeted them on the way. I didn't know they were here this morning. And uh, they were here. And then they sent me a quick text message. And they said, Pastor, we love Heritage Baptist Church. And they just like the fact that they're just getting the Word of God and the friendliness of the people. And, and you know, people, they kind of wonder the first time they come here, they're kind of wondering, this is a church on steroids. You know what I'm saying there? People are shaking hands and all that kind of stuff. But they say week after week after week, they're just excited about that. There's the priority of sowing. Secondly, there's the prospecting. Now, you have to find prospects. You've got to look for them. And sometimes they're right in front of us. We don't even know that. But we must identify and develop prospects, okay? And we said this in the very first message. Everyone is a suspect before they become a prospect. So part of the work process, God wants us to transform a suspect into a prospect. We develop prospects through canvassing and through connections and things of that nature. So there's the priority. There's the prospecting. Notice thirdly, there's the presentation. And we spent some time on that, but there's many, many aspects of the presentation. I want to give you a few thoughts on that. One, first of all, there's the warm-up. You've got to learn how to have the warm-up, to just have that, that opening time to build that connection with the person. There's the warm-up opportunity you have. And then there's the big question. We call it the big question. And the big question is, if today was your last year on planet Earth, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? My wife and I went to visit a lady that came to our church last week and spent a little time with her. 
We kind of had the sense we just as the conversation was going that we kind of thought that she might be saved already. So I, sometimes I'll ask this question. I said, man, I'm not, you go to this such and such church. And I said, let me ask you this question. If I wasn't a believer, could you tell me in your own words how to become a Christian? And you'll learn a lot about what they know theologically about salvation from just that question. Could you tell me how to become a Christian? If I was on my deathbed, what would you tell me so that I could be sure I'm going to heaven? So there's the big question. And then we go on by pointing them to the fact that God loves them. Everyone's a sinner. Sin must be punished. God does not want anyone to go to hell. God does not want that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the problem is God must punish sin. So what do we do about that? Well, God in his love punished our sins through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became the sacrifice and the substitute for our sins. As we explained that to them, we explained to them that Jesus Christ is the only one who could satisfy God's demands for sin. And as we talk about that, we remind them that salvation is not by good works. Salvation is by the grace of God. And the grace of God is very important. You talk about God's grace and emphasize that grace is love that we don't deserve. From there, we explained to them that the receiving of this gift, eternal life, is through faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith is exercised by praying according to Romans 10, 9 and asking Jesus Christ into our heart to be our Savior. Well, we have the presentation, but notice we lead to the procurement. Now, the procurement is when you lead that person to the understanding of receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. If you've never given the gospel or you give it sparingly, or you just find it difficult to build in your schedule. Let me tell you, I told the folks this the other night. The greatest thing that, one of the greatest things that's to getting saved that happened to my life is learning how to lead a person to Christ. There's something so unforgettable about, about leading a person to Christ. It will change your life. And I, I imagine this evening I could ask for several folks recently who've been going so winning, they could testify how it has changed their life. And I want to encourage you this, this evening. When you, when you see someone who says, I want to trust Christ as their Savior, something about it. The other Today, one of our soul winners and I went out soul winning and came to a home of a lady that brought her son to our cross court challenge. And we're over at the home there and we, we they, she gave us an opportunity to explain the gospel to her. And we sat down with the lady and, uh, you know, there's a there's this Catholic altar behind her and all that. And I wasn't sure how this was all going to go. And, and uh, you know, just gonna be, I decided I was going to be very firm with her on, the, on this particular meeting. And we explained the gospel to her. And we got to that point where we asked the question as we got about towards the end. There, I said, you know what the grace, what grace is all about? And, you know, people give answers like, well, you know, I think it's being thankful and I think it's a blessing and and something like that or mercy and and when I tell them it's love that I don't deserve that I just kind of pause there and just to fathom the thought love I don't deserve and lady thought about that you could see that she was trying to just tearing up a little bit there and uh, she said she wanted to get saved we got through the gospel reiterated again and just reemphasized things and I always ask this question sometimes I make it difficult for them to trust Christ I said yeah can you think of any reason today why Jesus Christ should not be your savior I want to see what they have to say. I want to know what the resistance, the rejection is. Can you think of any reason today why Jesus Christ should not be your Savior? She said, no, Pastor. She said, I, I, want, I, I want to get Jesus in my heart. And I'm not explaining this to you. I've only had this a few other times. But that, that moment after the lady, after lady prayed, both the soul winner and I felt this, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like a tingle, kind of like just this moment where just, it just, there was just something where the Holy Spirit was at work. And the lady realized that she had gotten saved and when she did that, she cupped her hands like this, covered her face, 
and tears are flowing down her eyes. She was just at tears of joy, unforgettable sight. And watch this lady weep and cry that she trusted Christ her Savior. She couldn't stop thanking us for coming by there. And you could see the joy in her heart. And you pray for a lot of these people we do reach in the daytime. A lot of those people are home at, not, at daytime because of their work schedule. They work at night or things like that. They have these weird work schedules. And a lot of them can't come on Sundays because they work on Sundays or Wednesdays. And we're just having to work through that dynamic there. But, you know, we're just thankful today that, you know, these people are in contact with us. We're trying to keep things moving. But there's the procurement. We want to see people trust Christ as Savior. Then number five, there are the promises. When a person trusts the Lord as Savior, it's critical you take a few moments to take them to one two or more verses that give them the assurance of salvation and explain it to them. Remind them that it's not based on a feeling, it's based on faith. Remind them of those verses like John 1.12 and John 5.24 and John 10.28 and Romans 8.1 and other verses that in salvation is, is the gift of God and God doesn't take it back. But number six, there's the preservation. Now, this is the important part. This is where we get fruit that remains. The preservation is where the real work begins. This is when we have follow-up for fruit to remain. Now, as we start witnessing, we're going to be emphasizing a lot of our witnessing so many through the, the adult Sunday school growth groups. And I want you to understand something. We want you to use the opportunity of Brother AJ and his wife Chrissy. They lead a person to Christ. What I want them to be able to do and I want you to be able to do is to say, listen, the next step I want you to do is I want to introduce you to some of my friends. I want you to come to church with me and be a part of our adult group. Growth groups. I want you to be part of the cornerstone class, a part of the home builders class, a part of the higher ground class, a part of the heirs to get whatever it may be there. We want you to be part of one of those classes. We want you to meet some friends there, and uh, you, you'll be amazed when people hear that that they're finding their, their their entry point into the church. They don't feel like a, a church that seems overwhelming to them that they're very overwhelmed by the size, but they feel that they can be integrated quickly with the or assimilated quickly with everybody else within the church there, and they make their friends and find people they can remember who remember. Them. So there's the preservation aspect. And through that, they're just learning to watch Christians who love the Lord, uh, serve God and walk with the Lord. And we're trying to help through the follow up. Finally, there's the progression. Number seven, there's progression. We just want to see that person continue. And it's OK, you know, just to give them a call, send them a message and say, hey, listen, I missed your church today. And we just want you to know that we want you at Heritage Baptist Church. So tonight I want to start with as introduction. These are things you want to remind ourselves week after week after week that sometimes there are weeks where you just need to make some prospects there's some weeks we have prospects you're going to make some the gospel presentation and there are going to be other weeks like this week for me just a lot of follow-up we've got 40 40 45 people we need to kind of get in that next place to get them uh, where they follow the lord scriptural baptism and line up a couple of baptismal sundays where they just they get baptized there so there are things like that are part of our our calendar of things we want to do notice some things about acts 13 tonight because we're looking at paul on the beginning of the first missionary journey they're about to start plant some churches i believe a church is planted there on the island of cyprus i want to see some things i pray tonight that will encourage you and encourage me for the lord number one would you notice the faithful soul winners we see the faithful soul winners verse two as they ministered to the lord and fasted the holy ghost said separate me barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto i call them i want you to notice tonight we see in this example some men who are faithful as soul winners Paul, Barnabas and Saul are the first so many missionary team being sent out by the church at Antioch. They, they were men who were obeying the Spirit's leading, as we see in these verses. These men had proven themselves faithful before God had sent them out. And let me just say tonight,
tonight. If you have a heart's desire about going to the mission field, if you're not winning souls here at home, the chances are you're not going to win souls overseas. I want to encourage you tonight to get a heart for souls while you're here, because as God is working through that, God will work through you in winning souls overseas. Notice some things about faithful soul winners. Go back with me to chapter 11, verses 22 to 25, please. Faithful soul winners are marked by the fact that they are proven. Notice Barnabas and Saul, the reason why God sent them out. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. These men had already proven themselves within the church at Antioch. In verse 22, we first of all see Barnabas, who was the pastor of the church, proving himself. Not only the work of the pastor, but the work of a soul winner. The Bible says, then tidings of these things came unto the heirs of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. They thought of a man who was well-rounded, a man who was compassionate and caring. They would send her to, to Antioch to minister there. Notice verse 23. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave or become one with the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 24, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added to the Lord. Listen, Barnabas came and he continued moving the momentum of the church and seeing people saved. So winners that are faithful are proven. They're in the trenches. They're knocking on doors. They're giving our gospel tracts. They're concerned about people. And not only was Barnabas proven, but as we see a little bit later, he goes and looks for Saul of Tarsus and brings Saul back. And Saul joins him. And the Bible says in verse 26, they assembled there for a whole year, teaching much people. And disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Saul himself had proven himself as a soul winner. These men were proven. They were proven in Antioch and they proven themselves there. I'm reminded back in 1977, the church I got saved in, our, our choir was asked to go across the country. And I had sung in the choir back at that time. And our choir was asked to go across the country to sing numerous churches over a two-week period of time. And uh, at least, I think, except in maybe the first day or two, we had a church we were in every single night. In some cases, two churches in one day we sang in. And we went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, we went to a church that was called Eastwood uh, Baptist Church. And the nickname of the church, when you pulled up there, the van started pulling up, was called Exciting Eastwood. And we didn't know really what was going on there, except when we pulled up, we were supposed to sing there. And they, t- they showed us to these rooms where the ladies were to change in their clothing and we were to change in our clothing. We were synchronated in terms of our clothing and so forth. And we had found out as we, as we were getting ready to sing for the service, several special numbers, we found out that night that they'd been without a pastor for several months, but there was just just a, a just an electrifying uh, spirit inside that, that church there. And the choir had sung and God was blessing and I don't remember who it was that got up. He didn't bring much of an encouraging message to be honest with you because I don't remember what he preached. But I do remember this. After the pastor or the the man who spoke uh, gave the word of God. He gave an invitation, and two of the ushers with their equipment on. You know, the two of the ushers are walking down with this man and, and this woman, and I, and the way they were they were holding their arms, I thought, well, man, is this man and woman are they in trouble? What's going on here? You know, and they're walking down the aisle, and as they got closer, the choir started noticing this man and this woman were crying, they were weeping, and the and the usher gave a note, and the man who had preached said, well, bless God today, this man. He named this man and woman. He said, this man, this woman, if all things, their car broke down right in front of the church and the ushers went out to help them to fix the car and while they did so they led this man and his wife to Jesus Christ they led him to saving hug of Jesus Christ here and I'm not excited but there was a loud amen there was a whoop that went on a Tulsa kind of whoop that went on an excitement that went on inside the church there and I'm just saying today that was a church that had proven themselves that they were concerned and passionate about winning souls to Jesus Christ Paul and Barnabas were men that were proven in their local church and they were proven as a team notice something else here faithful soul winners are not only proven, but faithful soul winners are always praying. Notice chapter 13, verse 3. 
And when they had fasted and noticed they had prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And I believe this was a praying church. And I believe this was a church that was serving. And I believe this was a church that fasted. But I believe also part of that was that Paul and Barnabas were praying men. I just found such an interesting trait among faithful soul winners. Faithful soul winners have lists of people they pray for. And faithful soul winners labor over souls and weep over them. They're like Epaphras where the Bible says in Ephesians, uh, Colossians 4.12 that he labored fervently in his prayers for them. And the Bible says he has a great zeal for you and not only for you but also for them of Hierapolis and Laodicea. I just found that they have a they call all people by names. They pray for the salvation of souls. They were praying. The story's told, and you've read this probably, of William Carey years before he was called to be the missionary to India. William Carey was just a shoe cobbler, just fixed shoes. He wasn't he didn't wasn't a well-paying job. He'd just make ends meet. But William Carey took a piece of leather and he wore, carved down on that piece of leather a, a, the continents of the world and mapped out the continents and their countries. And every day he would look at that map, he would look at it, and he'd start praying over those countries. And one country in particular he was praying for was the country of India. He said, I don't know of any independent Baptist missionaries that are there in India, but I, I'm praying one day that maybe God, you'll send me there. And God answered that prayer because as he started praying for that country, he said, Lord, you said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he sent forth laborers of the harvest. He said, Lord, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to be used of you. And William Carey, as many of you know, is considered the father of modern missions. But I want to say today, the key about, about, about uh, William Carey was that the man was praying for nations and for people and for souls. Faithful soul winners are marked by prayer. Faithful soul winners are praying. Faithful soul winners are proven. But notice chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. Pa- faithful soul winners are also passionate about souls. The Bible says they prayed. And then verse 4, so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed on Seleucia. And from thence, they sailed to Cyprus. I want to tell you something. As you, we get into this passage, they didn't go there haphazardly. They didn't go there because it was just a whim. I believe God had been working many days, many months, and maybe even a couple years before this happened about the island of Cyprus. You see, Barnabas was from Cyprus originally. And Barnabas knew that island. And wherever Barnabas was from, Barnabas was concerned about the people. It was men of Cyrene and Cyprus that brought the gospel to Antioch. And there's something about these men of Cyprus that kind of caught their hearts. And they learned along the way there may not have been independent Baptist churches that were established there. And they went there with the attempt to establish churches. And through these churches, men would be raised up to win souls to Christ. And listen, I think as the time got, got nearer and closer, these men were passionate about winning people to Christ there on Cyprus. The first stop was Cyprus. They weren't thinking about another location. They were thinking about Cyprus alone and winning people there. Pat, their, their passion was fueled by Barnabas' origin origin there in Cyprus. Their passion was fueled by their obligation. They probably thought woe is me if I preached out the gospel. Their passion was fueled by their outreach. The more they went out and told people about Christ, the greater the passion for winning souls. And I'll tell you something today. People ask me all the time, they say, Pastor, how do you, how do you keep the fire going? And how, how do you have a passion for souls? I'll tell you how. You just keep on going. You just keep on knocking more doors and you're giving out more tracks and tell more people about the Lord and reach more people for Jesus Christ. You see faithful soul winners. But quickly notice in chapter 13, we see a forgotten city. Now when Paul and, Paul and uh, Barnabas went out, he was known as Saul at that time. The Bible says they departed from the seaport, verse 4, of Seleucia. If you watch a map, they go from Seleucia, they travel over to Cyprus, probably a journey that Barnabas had been on many times. And they go from Seleucia to the very first city, which is Salamis, because they knew there was a synagogue of the Jews there. 
And interestingly, we're told as they went that way in verse 5, that John was there as their minister. John was just kind of there to help serve whatever their need was and to back them up. And I think that was noteworthy that God had just touched his heart to do such a thing. And they went there to Solomon's and preached the gospel. They went to the synagogue. And for whatever reason, they didn't stay there at Solomon's. God kept moving them on. And as God moved them on, we find in verse 6, the Bible says they went throughout the aisle until they got to the, the western side of the aisle. They started the eastern side, going to the western side. And they got there to the city of Paphos. And there at Paphos was a very important city. They knew some things about their geography. They knew some things about Paphos. And one of the things they knew about Paphos, that was the location where the Roman pro consul or the governor for Rome for that province was situated. That's where he lived. That's where he made his home. Cyprus was an island. It was a beautiful island. It was an island that people would go for retreats and places where they they would go for uh, just a good time. The name Cyprus means love or blossom. You know, sometimes we think about locations, we think about cities and places, and we think about a destination where there's an amusement park or destination where there's a garden beauty or something of that nature. And we, we look at that and, you know, we think about whatever the attraction is about this city. And I'll be honest with you, when you consider the city of Paphos, it's not going to come up on anybody's radar screen as an interesting city. It's not going to come up as a place you'd go there and vacation. It's not going to come as a place that you'd consider going there and spending maybe a week's vacation time and whatever. It's not a destination spot. Probably not a place you'd even consider for a destination wedding. But it was a place that God was concerned about. A place where souls were dying and needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a place where a man by the name of Sergius Paulus, who was a Roman and proconsul was there and Barnabas knew enough about that city to tell Paul said we've got to go there and John we've got to go there and we need to take the gospel of the city and I remind you today there are some forgotten cities in our nation and around the world that need the gospel of Jesus Christ I was excited this morning as the girls were up here singing they were talking about their cities and one of them said I'm from Tampa Florida and I don't know about you when you think about cities you might think about Orlando and you think about Disney World and you think about Anaheim you think about Disney Disneyland and things like that that's okay that's but when I hear cities as a pastor and preacher, I'm thinking about, is there an independent Baptist church there? Is there somebody there preaching the gospel? And when that woman said Tampa, I thought, first of all, my good friend, Pastor Kerry Nancy down there, down there in Tampa, Florida, just tearing it up, doing a good word for God. One of the great preachers of a generation. I heard somebody say they were from Mississippi today. First thing I thought about was Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where our good friend, Pastor Dean Miller is at. And Pastor Miller will be preaching just a couple weeks for our teen camp that our teenagers will be going to. And Brother Miller is one of the great preachers of this generation. God is using him in a great way. I hope to have two of these, these two preachers on, on the platform here to preach to us and be part of our revival series in the, in the future. But when you hear cities, we think about the fact, thank God somebody went to Tampa, amen? And thank God somebody went to Hattiesburg. And aren't you glad today that there's some missionaries that went to Seoul, Korea? And aren't you glad today that some missionaries are going to parts of China and parts of India? And I'm thankful today we had a missionary here on Sunday, Wednesday night, a man by the name of June Cornell to went to all places the Zanzibar. Zanzibar, if you can think about it, is, a, is an island off the coast of Tanzania. And I had to do a little bit of research before Brother Cornell came because I didn't know a whole bunch about Zanzibar. But man, I tell you what, after I spent some time with Brother Cornell, I, I'm, I'm just excited about a man that did not go there because of the spices that are exported from there. And he didn't go there because he had some family there. And he didn't go there because there were a whole bunch of Filipino people there. And he didn't go there because there's Asian there. He went there because that location is 99% Muslim and somebody needed to go there 
to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was telling us a story the other night, and I just, with my wife and I, were listening to the story, and we are just with tears as he's telling about it. He got that originally his goal was to get to Zanzibar several years ago, and he couldn't get there for whatever reason because of just uh, visa purposes and so forth. So they decided to go, go through Ethiopia, and they were out in the outskirts there in a, in a town, and it was a very rugged town, very primitive, and they suffered much while they were there. One of the stories he told us was that they didn't realize there were so many safety and healthy, health issues that nobody told them about. And he was telling me about how, his, how the devil was attacking their children through health trials and a number of things. And one of the health trials they had was his oldest son started developing a lump on the back there. And the lump got to be about this size there. And it was just, it was protruding and causing a lot of pain and discomfort. And Brother Cornell was out preaching the gospel one night there to that, that city there and that little village he was at there outside of Addis Ababa there in Ethiopia. And as he was preaching, his son got up and was just holding his back there. And he knew his son was going to take to do something with the back. What he didn't know that his son was going to go to the back side there behind the building and start squeezing that lump because he couldn't take the, pre- the, po- the, the pain anymore. As he squeezed the lump and he could hear him wailing in pain, it burst out with pus and with blood and things of that nature. I'm not trying to go out. But as he did so, there were also that, there, were, there were parasites that started coming out of that wound there. And he started wondering what was going on. And they didn't realize this too much later, but one of the hazards of being in that, in that particular area was that, that they would have these airborne these insects that would lay eggs on your clothing or on your towels and you wouldn't think about it but you put your clothing on or you wipe your body down after showering with your towel that those eggs which you couldn't see with your eye would embed themselves on your skin and as it did so those parasites would work their way inside their body and things of that nature I mean they suffered like that or they had a situation another time when his oldest son had had a birthday and he felt so bad he had he was just they didn't have much money they were underfunded they only got about maybe about 40 to 45 percent of the support they needed in fact it was so bad when his father passed away and her father passed away, they didn't have enough money even to come back home to go to the funerals. And I thought, my stars, this man is suffering. That's that. I thought I started asking God to forgive me, whatever I complain about. Lord, forgive me because this man has suffered for the for the ministry. And he told his children, he said, well, we're going to go to Addis Ababa to the capital and we're going to go to find a nice restaurant and we're going to have we're going to celebrate your brother's birthday there. And he told the children, he said, listen, we don't have a lot of money. And what we're going to do is we're going to just take we're just what we're going to do is we're going to buy three meals or six of them. We're going to buy three meals and each of us will share a meal so three meals so basically two of us would share a meal and the plates aren't that big and portion were that big but just the idea just to going and doing that well they went there and they had no pre- preconceived notion ideas of what was going on and brother 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 cornell was telling us that while they were there this these, these two buses came up and all these folks came off they were americans that came off these buses and he's kind of wondering well who are these people that are that are coming off this bus here and he started asking around and somehow word got back to him this was a medical missionary group and he thought well that's kind of interesting and he said where are they going and the person told oh they're going and they told him the name of the place it happened to be the village he was at he said well that's kind of interesting i wonder who told them about that and while they were while he was focused on these 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 people from america there was a filipino lady that came that was focusing on them they didn't even notice her and so finally she came up to them and you know how this goes she said are you filipino and they said yes we're filipino and they she said well you know i've joined this group here we're part of a medical missionary team and i'm a nurse and i heard about i heard about this area here and she said i came and she said i can't remember the name and she reached into her purse and pulled out a piece of paper she said yeah my my friend heard a heard a missionary preach in australia and she said she told me you've got to go to this area of, outside of Addis Ababa. you're a nurse you ought to join a medical missionary team to go there and you need to look up this missionary and she pulled out and says his name is june coronel 
And he says, Jude Cornell, I'm Jude Cornell. And she said, you've got to be kidding me. He says, no, I'm Jude Cornell. He says, I, I can't believe this. And God has sent her there. And she said, she started crying and they started crying. And she took a hundred dollar bill, American money out of her purse. She said, listen, you take this preacher and you buy whatever you want to take care of your dinner. And I said, preacher, that, that is an angel's unaware that God sent you right there to take care of your need. I just say today, thank God for a missionary that thought about an area and a city that maybe nobody else thought about, but he thought about one thing. There's souls in need. Jesus Christ is their Savior there. Thank God for a forgotten city that these two men went there to take the gospel. But notice verses 6 to 8, we see the fiery struggle. As they're there, we see spiritual conflict at its height. As they got there, we see several things that happen there. As they get there, they go through Paphos. And first of all, notice in verse 7, they, they find a searching prospect. In the course of things, there's the, the deputy of the country, the governor, the proconsul of the country there. His name was Sergius Paulus, is there. And this man hears about Barnabas and Saul. I think they were doing open-air preaching. I think they were just out because there was no, they're not told there's a synagogue of the Jews. I think they were doing some open-air preaching. And by the way, open-air preaching still works. Still works. And by the way, witnessing still works. Amen? It still works. And they're witnessing and they're telling people about Christ. And this man is kind of intrigued by these men about who they are and what's going on there. And the Bible tells us several things about this man, Sergius Paulus. Notice, if you would, this man was an intelligent man. The Bible says in verse 7 that he was a prudent man. He was wise in matters. He was a man fitted for his job. He was an intelligent man. I believe also he was an influential man. He was a deputy of the country. He was governor. He could make choices and decisions within the framework of his job. But he was also an interested man. The Bible says in verse 7, he desired to hear the word of God. Now, God was qualifying this man as a prospect. Long before Paul and, and Barnabas got there, this man was always, already, God was concerned about that soul, as we'll see in a minute. And this man wanted to hear about the word of God. He'd heard some things from somebody else, but he wanted to test and find out, is this really true? And when he started hearing the preaching of the word of God, there was something about Jesus Christ and something about the sinless son of God and something about Jesus dying for our sins and the bodily resurrection that intrigued this man's attention and he wanted to know more. And as we see this searching prospect, notice secondly, we see a subtle predator. While they're there, the Bible says in verse 5, while it says in verse 6, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a worker of witchcraft, a demon worker, a man messing with demons and talking to demons, a sorcerer, a false prophet. He was a false teacher who went under the name of Bar-Jesus. And the name Bar-Jesus means son of Jesus. He was even using the name Bar-Jesus to tell people, I'm a child of God. Listen, false teachers are angels of light that are in disguise. As we spoke about this morning, they come in masquerade. They come in old clothing and bring their moldy bread. And they come to disguise themselves. They're letting people think that they're just like us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, false teachers are not like us. This man was working as Sergius Paulus. He didn't want them to hear the word of God. And notice verse 8, we're now told that his name is Eliamist. Now, that's the name he went by. And Eliamist means a wise man. I mean, this man was nothing but the falsity. There was no truth in this man. He called himself a wise man, but he was nothing but a wise man. He was a charlatan. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing. He was a man preying upon innocent souls. And God only knows how many other people that he beguiled and, and, and by, his, by his sorcery into other things. And the Bible says this man, he was a sorcerer. He withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. I remind you today that there are 
people like that that are fighting against what we are all about. They're the Jehovah Witnesses and they're the Mormons and there's the other cults that are out there and false religion that are fighting against them. And notice in verse 8, we see the predicament. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Listen, I'll tell you tonight as you study that passage, Elymas or this man, this man, whatever his name, he called himself. I want to tell you, he fought with strength and he fought vehemently. He did not want to lose Sergius Paulus to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. The devil doesn't want to lose prospects to him. The devil will fight his tooth and nail to keep somebody from getting saved. And listen, you talk to somebody who's being influenced by a cult or false religion or something else. The devil's fighting them. Listen, the battle continues. He withstood them. Light clashes with darkness. Truth clashes with lies. Righteousness clashes with unrighteousness. Jesus clashes with the devils. He withstood the disciples, the apostles. He fought with them to keep Sergius Paulus from getting saved. I would just say this morning, this evening, one of the thoughts I want to embed in your your mind today, one of the reasons, compelling reasons why we need to win souls and why we need to get the gospel out and why we need to support missionaries is because there are the the, the Elemises and the Bargesuses out there that are trying to beguile others and keep them from coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Wherever the gospel is preached, I remind you there's opposition. Wherever the gospel is preached, the devil gets angry and the devil's fighting and wants to withstand us from getting the gospel out. But listen, where we see the fiery struggle, I'm glad tonight in verses 9-11, we see the fullness of the Spirit of God. Now notice we see in this a transition in the team. What happens here in verses 9-11 didn't happen instantaneously. Paul was already prayed up for this. Paul had already got himself ready. The Bible says, then Saul who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Listen, the difference maker for you and me, as we said last week, the difference maker in winning souls to Christ and reaching people is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't partially filled. He wasn't, he wasn't just, uh, uh, you know, just, just three-fourths filled. He was completely filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen, the Holy Spirit is what we need if we're going to overcome the withstanding of the devil, if we're going to overcome the powers of darkness. Notice some things that the fullness of the Spirit did for Paul and can do for you and me. Notice in verse 9, the fullness of the Spirit gives us intensity. Would you notice today, Paul was not intimidated, and Paul did not back off, and Paul did not say, well, maybe somebody else should come, or maybe you should come back another time. You know, that's our natural inclination. We'll say, well, maybe I'll come back another time. And, you know, no, Paul, Paul decided he was going to go there, and he was going to break up that party. Amen? He decided he was going to go there and break that thing up. He said, listen, I'm not going to let this guy beguile him. I'm not going to get him to get this man to believe this false stuff here. The Bible says he set his eyes on him. Paul was so filled with the Holy Spirit. His focus, his attention was winning this man to Jesus Christ. I believe that Paul's attitude at that moment was, I'm not going to leave her till we get this guy saved. I'm not going to leave her till we get him away from this, this false teacher there. It gives us intensity. But notice the fullness of the Spirit in verse 10 gives us inspiration. Now, he did something I'm not sure a whole lot of us would do. You'll notice in verse 10 that he calls out this demon worshiper. He calls out Elymas. He calls him what he is. At the right moment of time, he said what needed to be said. He calls this man out in the audience of everyone else publicly there under the fullness of the Spirit. God gave him exactly what to say, and he had to call out this man and call him exactly what he was. And notice verse 10, the boldness of of, of, of the inspiration. He said, oh, 
full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Listen, this man was bold. I'm not sure there'd be very many pulpits today that would call it out like that. But what he wanted the people to hear and to know that what this man is advocating, he is a child of the devil. He is an enemy of righteousness. He's perverting truth. He's not telling what's right. And listen, we have to understand today what the false religion, the false cults, we have to do like Paul said, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. And if every and any spirit comes by that says Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh, they are not of God. They're the Antichrist. And listen, we need a little bit of boldness at that moment of time and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to take a bold stand and representation because it's a struggle. It's a fight. Either the devil is going to get them or we're going to get them or God's going to get them. And I just say today, we need to have this intensity and we need to have this inspiration by the Spirit of God. And notice the Spirit of God gave Paul all this boldness and inspiration, but notice the fullness of Spirit not only gave him intensity, and notice the fullness of the Spirit not only gave him inspiration, but notice in verse 11, the Holy Spirit of God gave him the influence or the power that he needed. It gave him exactly what he needed to overcome the situation. And the Bible says, And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. I thought it's kind of interesting. Here is a man trying to lead someone else further into spiritual blindness, and instead God blinds him and keeps him from continuous work. Now, I, I'm not going to tell you that God will do the same thing for you and God will do the same thing for me. But I believe as we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, God has his way of thwarting the work of the devil. God has his way of stopping uh, the, the prevention of the devil from happening in people's lives. And listen, we need to just be so concerned for souls. And I think as days went by, as Saul and Barnabas went days, as they got through Solomon and made their way through the Isle of, uh, of Cyprus and got to Paphos as they made their way there, I think their heart was burdened to see somebody saved and they desired to see God at work there and little did they know God was preparing their heart for this confrontation with this sorcerer and as they did so God put on their hearts we're not going to leave until something happened and Paul listen he'd been in the shadow of Barnabas he'd watched Barnabas win souls he watched Barnabas making a change and at that moment of time the Bible says then Saul who was also called Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit of God I think it's interesting it was at that moment of time his name is changed to Paul Paul means small and I think he realized how powerless he was, how small he was without the Lord. And I'm going to tell you again tonight, it doesn't matter how well we know the plan of salvation. It doesn't matter how well we know it by rote memory. What really matters is, are we under the control of the Spirit of God when it comes time to witness? The Spirit was using him there. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts and converts. The Bible says in verse 11, Immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. I believe, literally, when this man was blinded, he said, hey, it's too dark in here. i got to get out. Somebody had to take him out. And they gave Paul and they gave Barnabas an audience with this man, Sergius Paulus. And I believe they explained the right way of the Lord to him, explained the truth. And as we close tonight, would you notice the fruitful success? Then the deputy... He saw what was done. He saw the working of the Spirit. The Bible says he believed. He believed. Being astonished, not at the works, but at the doctrine of the Lord. It's the Word of God that prevailed. The fruitful success with this man winning, being one to Christ. He believed in the deed of Jesus Christ. He believed in the, the blood atonement. He believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
He believed that Jesus Christ was the only way to be saved. For the first time, he'd heard the truth. He believed that God's word changed his life. His faith was repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. This man was an evidence of fruitful success. And listen, it wasn't the easiest so many opportunity. And it wasn't the easiest so many challenge. But it was a time where Saul and Barnabas, they were tenacious. And they stayed by the stub. And they presented the gospel. And they decided as they got their heels dug in, they were not going to let this, this Elymas take away this man from, uh, from, from the Lord. And they made sure this man... Man got saved. Many of you are familiar with the last several weeks of the rescue, the dramatic rescue of the Thai boys that were trapped in that cave in Thailand. If you think about the situation, it was almost an impossible situation if you kept up with the story. Those boys were in a situation when, when the rains came and flooded that place out, these boys were trapped. These boys were trapped and they, they had people from all over the world. They're trying to get them out. And the focus of the world was on the rescue of these boys. And isn't it kind of interesting? These boys were in a situation where they were doomed. And if they didn't get out of that situation, they'd run out of food. They'd run out of oxygen. And eventually they would die in that sealed tomb. They had no way out. There was no way out for, on their own power. By their own power, they could not get their way out. And a rescue team came up with the idea of having men going in there with scuba, scuba diving equipment with enough oxygen that they would take, require two scuba divers to take transport one boy at a time and they put him on a kind of a stretcher type of device and one would carry him one way and one the other and one would carry this oxygen tank on his chest and they would have it, the, 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 um, the device go behind him and be on the boy's face and literally they carried these boys out. The boys were not allowed to swim their way out. They had to rely on somebody else to help them. And even before that, there was one man, one rescuer who died in the process because he ran out of oxygen Somebody lost his life. Somebody gave his life so these boys could get out. And these rescue teams, as they went back and forth, it was a very perilous situation. There was only one way in and one way out. There was only one way they could go. There were no other ways. There were no other alternatives. And these men, as these rescuers did their work, all 12 of the boys, plus their coach, was, was heroically rescued and out of that situation. They, were, they, were, they had to have faith in the rescue effort. You had to have faith in these, these men who carried them out. They would get them there. And I remind you tonight, though it's a crude illustration and not exactly the same as the soul winning business, I remind you today that souls that we're trying to reach are also trapped. And souls we're trying to reach, there's only one way that they can get out. And souls we can reach, we must have a, we're, we're part of that. It's a team process in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and getting them through the one way, which is through Jesus Christ, and getting them to the place where they can be rescued and brought, brought out of that situation. And I remind you today, that's what God has called us to do. Paul and Barnabas, as they're completing this journey here down at Paphos. They would move on from there. But that incident, that example, that situation God gave them put inspiration to heart. And they thought in their minds, We're only, we've only just begun. It's only going to get better. God has other places for us to go. If God would use us here on the island of Cyprus and win people on Paphos, just think of what God can do. And I remind you tonight, uh, Heritage Baptist Church, God is just beginning with our work. And just beginning with our teenagers and with our children and with our college and with our singles and with our adult growth groups and with every department of our church. God is only just beginning to do some things. We're scratching the surface, but I'm saying today, let's get excited about the Lord, and let's get the fullness of the Spirit, and let's decide we'll be faithful soul winners like Paul and Barnabas, and let's just decide we're going to venture out and take some risks and be willing to be used of God, and take those people through that tunnel to lead them to Jesus Christ, and let's just say tonight, we're going to just be like Paul and Barnabas, we'll be faithful, we'll be proven, we'll be passionate, we'll be prayed up, and may God use us so that we are productive for the glory of God. Let's go win souls. Let's repeat to people for the Lord. 
Let's not get tired of doing that. Let's not get tired of getting people into church. Let's make sure that new building gets open. We're doing everything we can to introduce people to the Lord. Hey, some of you are learning how to present the plan of salvation. Would you do, do something this week? Find one person you get the gospel to this week. Go find somebody you share the gospel with this week. Go find somebody that you say, I'm not going to let the week go by to talk to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, tonight, let's, let's not, let's not just not go through the motions. Let's just decide tonight. This is important business because it's important to God. And if it's important to God, it should be important to you and me as well, there too. Father, tonight, we thank you for the example of Paul and Barnabas. They only just began. But God, as we read the excitement of what happened on the first journey, the second journey, the third journey, and then, Lord, the, the aftermath of all that, which we are beneficiaries of, how the gospel has spread around the world. Thank you, began there with two men who prayed and fasted, who had proven themselves at Antioch. The Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work weren't you have called them. And even as your word tells us, it's a sin not to win souls. The sin not to reach people for Christ. Your blood is on our hands. As tired as we may be, as busy as we may be, with all the excuses we make, in the way that only you can, Lord, energize us, infuse us, Help us tonight. People need the Lord. Father, would you touch our hearts? Find at least one person this week. We can give a full witnessing presentation of how to get saved to. Father, would you bother us tonight about people we pass by every day? just kind of go to custom being lost and I think about Paul the Bible says he set his eyes on him Paul thought man this man needs the Lord and this false teacher this Elymas if we leave here he might he's going to catch this guy Father we're in a great rescue temple we're trying to rescue the perishing care for the dying Jesus is merciful Jesus will save. Lord, this fiery struggle is still going on outside the walls of this church. We see searching prospects being confronted by spiritual predators resulting in a spiritual predicament. And the difference maker is committed to soul winners filled with the Spirit of God desiring to touch lives and be used of you. Father, deliver us from being passive about the gospel. Instead of being passive, Lord, help us to be passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight. So we give the invitation. Would you intensify in our hearts, our loved ones, our family members, our friends, others in our lives who need Jesus tonight? God, if every one of us just went after one family member, what a difference it could make. Would you help us tonight to see, Lord, this, the buildings and facilities you've given us? We're adding 15,000 square feet of space here to the property, an opportunity for so many more people. Holy Father, we pray tonight, have your way during the invitation time. Touch our lives, Lord. Touch the nerve of our lives in such a way that, God, we want to be different for your glory. I know we've preached this for several weeks now. 
God, I, for me, I don't get tired of this. I just look at and see that this is the great need. This is the great work of the hour. Perhaps tonight you touch some man. Be like a June Cornell, a William Carey, the gospel of Christ. Or maybe like a Matt Haynes, who go where others don't go. Who get a concern for a city and a place. So many cities are forgotten. So many cities are foreknown a lot of things, except for the fact that they ought to be known there's a gospel preaching church there. So, Lord, tonight have your way. And then tonight, if someone here is not saved, I pray that before they walk out the church, they trust Christ as their Savior. And, Father, tonight, maybe there's something else that was said that, Lord, you've spoken our hearts about. And help us to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading and obey you tonight. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Now, Father, have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Please stand if you would. If God's touched your heart, you need to come. We invite you to come tonight. You need to kneel where you're at. You just come tonight. If God's touching you, come this evening as we give the invitation. Let's get renewed in our passion, renewed in our desire, fervor for reaching souls this week. Would you do that? Would you make a commitment this week to take some tracks, find at least one person this week that you'll get the gospel to, someone that you'll talk to about the Lord, someone you encourage for the Lord Jesus. Would you do that this week? Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day. Thank you, Lord, that you've been worshipped. We tried, Lord, to lift up your name that you might be glorified. When it's all said and done for me, God, you be the one who's remembered the most. Father, in a minute, some will be going home for well-deserved rest. Others of us still have some meetings and things we need to do. You help give us grace for that. And uh, tonight, Father, I pray that you just help us to Think about a lot of family members who need Christ. Deliver us, Lord. We've become, we've got to the place where we've been ashamed of our families or ashamed of our church, whatever. God changes from that. And get us to the place, Lord, where we just have a fervency and intensity like Paul had. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God's been preached all day today around the campus. May that incorruptible seed work in our hearts and result in just victories and things that you'll do. We pray this evening you'll be glorified. We pray for some folks tonight who have issues going on. We pray for Mrs. Sang who has a knee replacement surgery that God, the surgery go well and uh, should have good recovery. Pray for no complications. We pray tonight for Adela. Lord, she needs a miracle right now. And these complications she's had, we pray that, Lord, the, the dye in her, her system would get flushed out. We pray for kidneys not to be affected. Pray, God, that you give healing to her body right now. And then for others tonight, Lord, who are going through trials, some who just new trials are starting up, God, give them special grace. We pray for good results that you'll give them where there will be extended health and extended days and your blessing upon their lives. Help our folks this week who have perhaps decisions to make. They make good decisions and get counsel and have your direction leading in their lives. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just a couple of things very quickly. Tonight, we have a nursery workers meeting. I'm going to ask all the ladies... You're supposed to be a nursery worker. I mean, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Ask your husband to get the children so you're not bothered by this. So, man, if you can help me get your, your, the children for your wife, you know, from the nursery or wherever it may be. And then, ladies, if you would, if you don't mind just meeting me outside there, right in front of the educational building, 
you'll meet me outside there, and we'll just kind of walk you through that. And we've got a room there. We're going to do a meeting. I want to talk to you about our nursery for just a minute. Then I'll remind the rest of us as a church, Kids Camp is just a few days away. It starts two Mondays from now on Monday, June, July 30th. Would you be in prayer for Kids Camp and just help us take some cards and invite people to Kids Camp? And then also take some cards for our Victory Sunday for Sunday night, August 5th. It's a uh, big Sunday. In fact, next Sunday, I just want to get the church ready for that. I did a, a little bit of that this morning with our adult uh, combined adult Bible classes. But I want you to uh, just be ready next week. Come with your heart hungry and desiring for God to do something in our hearts to prepare us for that. Be here Wednesday night for a midweek service. Looking forward. We'll continue our series, I think, at this time in Kings and Prophets. And so we're just trusting God for that. And, and you be here for just a prayer time and for the Lord to work through that. We're so excited you're here. Ladies, if nurse works, you can start dismissing yourself out there. That'd be a blessing. And we want to get you in the building as quickly as we can. Thank you for being here tonight. By the way, there are no chairs to move. These chairs are staying in here. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed tonight.